Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the latest Outsports podcast. It is late October. Sid, uh, what are you dressing up like for Halloween? Or as like <laughs> as <laughs> as. As like whatever. Um, uh, I'm going to go. Well, there's a big, huge party at the Space Museum down by, or the Science Museum down at USC on Friday night. So Dan and I are dressing up as as Jedi. We're going as a, it's kind of a it's kind of a space theme. So we, we already have some capes and body paint. So we figured make it easy. Well, that's always one of you. That's your one of your favorite movies of all time, Star Wars. So it's appropriate. Yeah, well, and and you know, it's kind of in the zeitgeist now that they they have a new movie came out last year, another one coming out in December. I know you've you've never been able to sit through them. So you have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, the only one I ever saw had that Jar Jar Binks. Everyone said right. it was the worst one ever. So I think it kind of <laughs> turned me off. You, <laughs> turned you me saw off for the... the only one you ever saw was literally by far the worst one. By yeah, far. that's what people tell me. So it's kind of like ironic that uh, maybe I'll, when I break my leg and I'm holed up in the house for weeks, <laughs> I'll decide to watch that stream all of them or something. Um, but today we're going to have a guest on in a little bit talking about uh, the Cubs in the World Series and their relationship with the LGBT community. But in the, a couple minutes before he gets on, I wanted to – something I wrote about today, and I know you've been tweeting about it since it happened. It was the absolute silence still of the Daily Beast uh, regarding the, their article by Nico Hines that basically outed some gay Olympians. Are you, are you surprised that they have – basically not issued anything, no investigation, no further examination of what happened, or what, what yeah, do you think is going I, on there? I'm surprised because, you know, they could, they could have very early on diffused a lot of this, a big mea culpa, um, you know, talk about sensitivity training and everything they were going to do, and Nico Hines going to put this to bed, but they just have decided not to, and I, I every week that goes by, it just... It just their silence gets worse. The meaning of their silence gets worse. So, and and I mean Nico Hines. I you know not that I was looking for his byline before, but I'm not sure he's worked in three months since this happened. Well, he hasn't tweeted anything. He hasn't had anything on the Daily Beast. He's still listed as their London editor. And it's like if you're going to do an investigation, there's not much of an investigation here. I mean. Basically, he has not apologized. They issued an apology when they pulled the story. But, you know, the media is always claiming they want transparency. And here's a classic case where you have a media organization that has been ripping other politicians and everybody else for their lack of transparency, simply not being transparent with something. Um, and I, I'm just I'm really surprised they have not basically they should be they should need to issue our parent company, Vox, had a a story they had a pull last year, and they issued a very detailed report. Um, and that story was a lot more involved in terms of this. This is this is a real simple screw up, as they acknowledged, but it also potentially put some people's you know identities at risk. So I'm it, to me, it's baffling why they have not said anything yet. And today marks 11 weeks to the day of publication. I, yeah, I wish I had an explanation. I don't I don't understand it. Again, if they they could have handled this. Before, um, 
you know, right after the end of the Olympics and, and coming, and they could have come out by now smelling like roses. Uh, but, you know, people, a lot of people don't, they won't, they don't want to admit guilt and, and they don't know how to, how to how, they don't understand how to handle disasters like this. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. I got it. I, I, I get, I, I get everybody makes mistakes, but it's like the cover up is worse than the crime. And it's, I don't, that's not the case here, but the, the quote-unquote cover-up is just bizarre. I, it's, I, I can't even begin to exp- uh, understand why. Yeah, I think had they come forward a lot sooner with, with an explanation and an apology from Nico, I mean, I, I have no idea if Nico Hines is a terrific you know writer-reporter that has value. I've never advocated he should be fired immediately. I'd like to know a little bit more about it. And it's clear he hasn't written anything, so I guess his career in, at some level is kind of, for now it's over. But it's baffling that they have not, you know, they, they don't even reply to emails. I mean, I've sent them emails, and I, I, I ran seven emails by one of our readers who would send very nicely worded emails wanting to know an explanation, and not even getting a reply really is kind of indicative of, you know, kind of an FU attitude. And so I think they kind of figured people just get kind of tired of it, and, you know, at a certain point everyone will forget about it, which unfortunately probably will happen. I mean, we'll stay on it, but a lot of people will probably not even remember it. It happened, and so um, let's hope that's not the case. Well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I believe they have to do something about it at some point, but I don't know. That's, yeah, let's that's, hope that's so. That's me. Well, um, I don't think it'll take them 108 years to come up with an explanation, but that is how long it is. This is a segue taken for the Chicago Cubs actually winning a World Series in 71 years to be in a World Series, but. Last night, they beat the Indians uh, 5-1 to tie the series, going back to Chicago on Friday for the first game in Wrigley Field in the World Series since 1945. And our guest on the line is um, Bill Gubrud from Chicago. Bill, you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me, guys. Bill, uh, give you some ex- Bill's a huge Cubs fan. We'll talk about that. But Bill also started the program out, uh, well, out at Wrigley. It's now called it Out at Wrigley, but people call it Gay Days. Uh, which is started in 2001, and it is the longest running in baseball. Um, so, Bill, this must be a really exciting time for you to, you know, you have your connection with the Cubs and your teams in the World Series. I don't even think there's a word to describe how I feel. There's not, there's not a strong enough word to describe how I feel, what I see going on right now. It is, I mean, you could throw any adjective out there. Any, I mean, just nothing will describe how I feel inside when I see the Cubs actually playing in a World Series. It is absolutely crazy. Well, we had you on to talk about it, so come up with some words, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just, you know what? It, it's, the thing is, um, I've been watching all these, even thinking back to last year, my three best friends, we went around from bar to bar watching the playoffs last year, doing the same thing this year. And then when the first pitch happened on game one, we just sat and said, it still has not really sunk in yet that the Cubs are actually in the World Series. It's just, it, it's, it's something you've always dreamed about. Now that it's here, it's like you're in disbelief that it's actually happening. Because I'll be honest with you, I mean, from having the past owners of the Tribune Company to, I mean, I barely remember the Wrigley's owning it. I was, like, a very young kid. But having the Tribune Company all those years and having Sam Zell for a couple years, it just never seemed like it was going to happen. I mean, it just didn't. Then when Seal comes in, he just totally gutted everything from the major league level all the way down to – rookie ball and just he made this team that's going to be sustained for years and years and years now and it's if, just if, if okay. they win the world series 
Will they immediately erect a statue of Theo Epstein at the front of Wrigley Field? Um, I think there would be a lot of people donating money to do it if they didn't want to do it. But he would definitely have to be up there, man. Not just him, but I mean, there's, there's other ones. I think the Cubs are one of the last teams to start putting statues out there, especially the first one they did was Harry Carey, uh, which at the time people loved Harry and all that when he passed away. But it was like, you know, what about Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, Ron Santo, Ryan Sandberg? I mean, even, you know, Bill Buckner during the lean years in Chicago, Bill Buckner might not be as loved in Boston, but in Chicago, from 77 to 84, Bill Buckner was the Cubs. And, I mean, there, there's, I mean, he did a lot of things for the Cubs. Uh, there's a lot of people that can definitely uh, use statues out there, but Theo Epstein for sure, for Pete's sake. Well, I mean, play, play, players, players come and go. Fans and general managers stick around, and Epstein to be the, the mastermind behind the Boston Red Sox r- r- winning the World Series and the Chicago Cubs, I mean, that's <laughs> – there's a place you know, for him in the Hall of Fame. Oh, you know what? Without even him getting the Cubs to the World Series and what he did, that's automatically instant Hall of Fame right there. I mean, 71 years since they've been to one, um, 108 years since they actually won one. I mean, this is – it's crazy. I mean, you look at when Dexter Fowler stepped to the plate, he became the first black person to ever, ever represent the Cubs in a uh, World Series because uh, baseball wasn't integrated back then. So it's so crazy when you see these first happening for the Cubs. It's, it's just insane. Well, talk a bit about you posted something on Facebook. You went to your dad's grave, and he, he had seen the Cubs in a World Series, right, because he was born 1930 or something. But what he was, was that like? On, so he was eight years old when they were in their first World Series, or their last World but Series. But he lived, he lived in Milwaukee then. He didn't move to Chicago yet. He still lived in Milwaukee. But he never got to see the Cubs in the World Series. But what was that like last Saturday when they beat the Dodgers? And then you, you, what prompted you to go to, to the uh, cemetery the next day? Oh, uh, my dad just – I remember going to a couple games with my dad. My very first game I went to my, with my dad was in 1982. It was a very cold April day, um, and I'll never forget that day. And then just talking about the Cubs with him – he always asked me questions. Uh, we always talked about the Cubs. And then uh, during out at Wrigley in 2010, Laura Ricketts uh, came to our uh, the VIP section for out at Wrigley. And my dad met her, and he just said to her, can you please win one before I die? And that's my dad being brash the way he is. Just, you know, she's like, gee, thanks for the pressure. Sadly, uh, he didn't get a chance to see him. But, I mean, he's up there watching. I know he is. And he's always been a Cub fan, and he always will be. And, it was just very emotional for me to go there. And, um, and like I said, if they win it and everybody tells you don't build, don't say if, say when, uh, then I'll be going back there and putting something much better on his, uh, by his headstone. It's just, it was just uh, my Cubs, Cubs uh, Cubby Blue runs very deep in my family. Well, you mentioned Laura Ricketts, and, and, and some people have kind of fired back that, oh, the Ricketts family, you can't cheer for the Cubs because the Ricketts family donates to, to anti-LGBT candidates. And, of course, Laura, we know, is, is uh, an out lesbian herself and has campaigned for pro-LGBT candidates. Do you have any need to reconcile all of that? Oh, when I – so in the election of 2012 – um, you know, I talked to the Cubs. There was a little backlash. They gave me all these press releases and all that that I actually shared and sent away or sent out on social media to talk about what the family stance is on everything. But I'm glad you brought that up because Laura Ricketts, I think it was 2013, uh, there's a thing called the Chicago 
uh, Gay and Lesbian Hall of Fame, and she was inducted in it. And I got to sit next to the entire Ricketts family, minus Pete Ricketts, who wasn't there. But um, I got to speak to her parents, and her parents are very pro-gay. Her parents are amazing. They called her spouse or their daughter-in-law, um, Tom Ricketts, for, you know, he went to out at Wrigley uh, 2013, I think, um, that summer, and the people up there said he has never spent this much time this long in any section during a baseball game with a group of people. Shortly after that, Tom Ricketts then penned a letter of support for gay marriage in Illinois. Um, Todd Ricketts also is very active in uh, AIDS charities, raising money for AIDS charities, AIDS bike ride, all that. So when people are uninformed, um, it's like you try to tell them facts. They don't want to listen. And then these, these are facts. These aren't, these aren't, you know, these are not myths. These are facts of what the family's like. And politically, if you're going to vote for someone because they suit you one way or the other, that's your choice. And I, it, that it's just, just it's exactly what it is. It's your choice. And, you know, what are you going to do? But as far as everything else, uh, if everyone wants to talk about the LGBT issue, the whole entire family, well, like I said, minus Pete, I don't know much about him, never met him. But the rest of the family has always been there for the gay community and supporting their sisters slash daughter and everything else. It's just that they're a close-knit family, and they're very, very good to the gay and lesbian community here, or LGBT community. Well, you were the guy who started what I guess we called Gay Days, um, and now it's been, I think, every team except maybe six or seven in, in baseball have not had a, something like that. How did you, you come up with the idea, and, and how has it sustained itself in the last 15 years? Uh, when I first started working for a gay newspaper, I knew, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to live by Wrigley Field. You know, when you're a little kid, when you're five, six, seven years old, you don't know what being gay, straight, or whatever it is. You don't know. But then when I was old enough to realize it was the best of both worlds, like, oh, wow, I'm going to live, live by Wrigley Field, and it's also gay here. And then started working for a gay newspaper. My first account I ever called was to the Cubs. They placed an ad. They also became the first team ever to place an ad in a gay and lesbian publication in the country, a male sports team, that is. The following year, I went and decided I wanted to do a gay day because I wanted to work with the Cubs. That's how much I love them. And I wanted to work with them in some capacity, and that's how that all started. It's evolved over the years, and i got to say, the partner I have right now, Jackie Weinberg, is absolutely amazing. She is the absolute best co-creator of this event or co-organizer of this event I've ever had. She's just absolutely amazing. Cannot say enough about her. And she happens to be a Tiger fan, and her second favorite team is the Chicago Cubs. How many tickets do you generally sell for that event the last couple of years? Uh, well, you know, when we first started out, uh, we had pretty much uh, every single, on either side of the field, either right field terrace, left field terrace, we took their whole entire group section, which at the time was 2000. And then as the Cubs started getting good, especially after the 2003 season, um, in the two, then the 2004 season, they started dwindling, uh, dwindling it down to how many tickets you could sell inside. So that's when we came up with the 250 inside and then a couple of rooftops. Then um, the last four years, uh, the Cubs built um, a VIP section in the bleachers. So we do that about 150 out there in the VIP section and then 300 people in the uh, terrace reserve section. But this year we had bleachers. This year we did ble- regular bleachers and the VIP section in the bleachers. And that seemed to work very well. So it's right now it's around 500 people because just because there's not enough tickets that they couldn't let us have, which is unfortunate. But you know when the team gets good, you, they they got to do what they have to do. Sure. And people want season tickets. 
So you never have any problem selling these tickets, I assume, right? This year was the fastest. We sold out of the VIP uh, within a month. We put them on sale. They were all sold out. And this, we were talking, the game wasn't until September, and we sold them out in May. You know, and the regular of, ones. Oh, go ahead. Speaking of tickets, I saw, I saw a report by our good friend Jared Max um, that the, 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 the ticket cost for Game 3 in Wrigley starts at $2,200 and goes up to $20,000. And this is just for Game 3. This isn't even a clinching game. You thinking about going, That's standing room only, too. Uh, not for that much money. I wish, but <laughs> trust me, I got to call into the Cubs and said, hey, I'm not looking for anything free. If you guys have any tickets laying around, that, cause I don't, when the postseason comes along, MLB takes control of all sales for the uh, playoffs and World Series. So I just sent a letter, uh, message out and said, hey, if you have any that you can sell me uh, directly to me, let me know because I will definitely buy them. I can't afford uh, these scalping ticket prices. It's ridiculous. What is the yeah, maybe there's one ticket. stuck at the bottom of Theo's shoe. Or, oh, I just came up with a spare ticket. <laughs> one laying around for you, Bill. Uh, and I will, and I, I will follow him around to look at his spare, look at his shoe for that spare ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I just said there's definitely by hook or crook. I definitely will get inside Wrigley Field for one of these games. Oh God, don't get arrested, Bill. Whatever you do, please don't get arrested. <laughs> well, now, not now you can't do that because they got the, the there's way too much security to get in there. But I mean, I'll definitely somehow I'll get in there by getting a ticket somehow. It's just that's just you know, it's just it's it's a dream to see, and I'm three blocks away from Wrigley Field, and and a shout out to Adrian Gonzalez who said Wrigley Field is not loud, but yeah, I'm sure he knows now after uh, the Dodgers got beat there how loud Wrigley Field can be. <laughs> but it, I can hear everything. I'm three blocks away, my windows are open when I'm watching the game at home. I know what happens at Wrigley Field based on the crowd noise before it happens on the TV. That's how close I am to Wrigley, and that's how loud Wrigley gets. Just gonna, just so where are you going to watch? you watching Game Three right now? Uh, don't know yet. Depends because you know it's definitely not around Wrigley Field because all the bars there, except for Murphy's Bleachers, every bar around there is charging two hundred fifty dollars to get in just to watch the game at oh. the bar. Yeah. Wow. Talking about five hundred dollars, two hundred fifty to five hundred dollars just to walk in the door. Really? To watch the game. <laughs> yep. The only one not doing it is Murphy's Bleachers. And that line will be around the block. So, uh, You know, I, oh, I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but I, I think it's going to cause more congestion because people usually get to the game, they want to chill out, relax before they go in. Now the only bar they can do that in basically is Murphy's because all the other ones, who's going to pay 250 before they go into the game that they just spent $5,000 on a ticket for? <laughs> if they spent five thousand dollars, two fifty is just a hot dog. So who, who really cares? You <laughs> sadly, might as well live sadly it up. you're right. Sadly, you're right. I mean, a lot of these people that are going to be going to these games. It's going to end up like the Super Bowl, to where are they really fans or they just want to be there? So that's what's kind of unfortunate about these ticket prices. I mean, me. Someone said. Well, you had so what? What? To what? What's, let me ask about tickets. If you were a season ticket holder, what price are you paying for a World Series ticket? I looked up the prices. Um, you know, for the NLCS, um, for the cheapest ticket was 100. For the um, for the World Series was 150. So it's not bad. I mean, I, I would definitely, I would go up to about 300 hours to pay for a ticket, three, four hundred hours, even five to go pay for a ticket. But when it gets up to a thousand, fifteen hundred, and so on and so on, it's just I got a lot of people looking out for me, sending me links. Hey, Bill, try this, or hey, like this. Uh, they're gonna pick a winner for tickets. So. I got a lot of people looking out for me to help me get tickets, but um, yeah, like I said, if the, I'll go to 500 hours. That's about it. 
So um, just real quickly before we let you go, uh, uh, sure. how long, how many times have the Cubs been in the uh, Pride Parade, and, and was it a struggle to get them in the first time? Uh, 2010 uh, was the first time they were there. That was right, basically the first full year the Ricketts owned the Cubs team. Uh, they got in there, and now after his passing, I found out that it was Ernie Banks pushing the Cubs organization to go into the parade. Um, wow. Ernie Banks, yeah, um, and during the parade, I got to sit and hang out with Ernie Banks, and all these people kept running up to the float, say, Ernie, Ernie, and he turns to me and goes, Bill, he's like, I didn't know gay people like me this much. I'm like, Ernie, who doesn't like you? <laughs> I'm like, he was just, yeah, he was so full of energy, and we were talking, he's like, there's a lot of people here, and I'm like, yeah, but I said, the Cubs won the World Series, imagine this parade 10 times this size. So he, he's the one that got it started, and... This past year, Ryan Sandberg was in the on the float for the Cubs too. So they, they Cubs have been very progressive with me. My favorite team growing up was the '84 team. This team surpassed that. When I look back on that '84 team, Gary Matthews owns his own hat company, the Sarge. He donates part of his proceeds from his hat sales to AIDS charities. Sandberg, pro gay. Bob Denier did the It Gets Better video, pro gay. You just keep learning. It makes you feel better and better that, that your idols growing up on the team you love so much would actually not mind who you are as a person. And that makes me love the Cubs even more, is knowing that all these teams back then, you know, Ryan Dempster, who's uh, one of the special assistants for Theo and was on the MLB Network, very pro-gay. So it's just like, it, it's just, it's amazing. These players that you liked and watched, that you could actually sit with them. They're not going to be freaked out or, oh, my God, you're gay. They're not going to be the Daniel Murphys of the world. They're going to sit there and be okay with you. And that makes me feel great. Well, Bill, we'll be rooting for the Cubs then. Uh, we were there at, at the Pride Parade this year, um, and just we almost got into Wrigley Field for our event, but the damn fish show happened. So, uh, I know, but, right? <laughs> but good luck with it. I mean, it'll be exciting tomorrow, I guess, if you wanted to commit any robberies in Chicago starting at about 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. tomorrow would be the perfect time since everyone will be somewhere else and distracted. But um uh, and, and, and thanks for doing out at Wrigley. It's a great event, and uh, it'll, it'll keep continuing And uh, for all you do for the LGBT community. And uh, go Cubs. Hey, much appreciated. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it was my pleasure. All right, thanks, and You Bill. guys have a great one, and, yes, go Cubs. Go Cubs, go. <laughs> thanks. Take care, guys. Bye. Well, there is a true blue fan there, and he's, he's always been a great friend to Outsports, and so I'm rooting for the Cubs for people like Bill. I have nothing against Cleveland, but, uh, you know, I'm rooting for the Cubs. I couldn't care less. In fact, I was flipping through the TV. What was it, on Tuesday or Monday? Monday? Did it start on Monday? It started on Tuesday. No, no, Tuesday. Tuesday. I'm I just tried to flip through the Oh, there's a baseball game. Oh, it's the World Series. Oh, oh, all right. Well, next channel. That's you know, but that's that's me. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, I mean, I'm not like out. I'm glued to the set. But if you had me, team, I hope wins. I'd say yeah, I'd like to see the Cubs win. Um, I like. I like. Uh, the reason I don't care is I have a lot of good friends in Cleveland, and the idea of Cleveland suddenly being title town is hysterical to me. Having the NBA. Yeah, that that is, that is that would be pretty be, strange. They would win. Basically, two championships in a row. You know, the last the last two major. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, you had hockey in the middle. They don't have a hockey team, but it's like, yeah, the Cavaliers and the Indians would be would be pretty amazing. Um, and they were in. Um, I think they were in Arena Football League championship game. 
I can't remember. Anyhow, it just it's just funny to me that suddenly Cleveland could be the a city of champions. Whoever wins is going to end a long drought, so I can't really be too upset either way. But I, you know, I, I like to see the Cubbies do it. Um, but in remaining time, I want to talk about a story that uh, kind of evolved. Uh, and it was about a sign held by a fan at a BYU Mississippi State game, BYU fan that said, "You can't you can't say Mississippi without sissy." And a columnist for the Salt Lake paper wrote about the anti-gay sign and how terrible it was. I then sent you a question. Do you think sissy is a gay slur? And you said yes. And I said, well, why don't you do the story then? Because I had uh, uh, too complicated. I think it's a slur. I, it wasn't one that really resonated with me as much. But, man, you wrote a story, and it got a lot of attention and hundreds of comments. And it seemed to reinforce the idea that it is a slur because – a lot of people came after you calling you a sissy and all sorts of things. Were you surprised? Well, I was surprised at the reaction just because, I mean, uh, it seems shocking to me um, that people would think that sissy is not a homophobic slur. I mean, at, at the very, very least, it's sexist. You know, if you're, if, you're, if you're effeminate, then you can't be a real man. You can't play football. Um, that's That's... That's that's what the use of that word means, and for people to to lash out at me, I think one of the one of the things is because I said it was an anti-gay sign, and people were saying, "Oh, the fan didn't mean anything anti-gay by the word sissy. They didn't mean to be homophobic." And and we hear that same rationalization when other people use other gay slurs. Oh, they didn't mean to be anti-gay. Kobe Bryant screaming that he. That he's not anti-gay, and finally coming to understand that the very root of the use of the word is homophobic. So, I was I was surprised by the reaction. I mean, I got more emails about that than I've gotten about almost almost anything, and and none of the reaction was was positive. It was lots of BYU fans and Mormons, including Austin Collie from the NFL, who's a chicken, who says that I'm. I mean, I I love this guy. I love these I love these chickens sitting at home. And 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 they have to they have to tweet to me that I'm overreaching, and I say how so? No response. I ask him again. No response. He's just a chicken. Austin Collie's a little chicken. He couldn't handle the NFL, and he can't handle me on Twitter. Well, he did. He, he did handle the NFL. He was a pretty good player until he had concussions. But your point's oh, taken. I mean, it, the definite. He was a great receiver for the Colts. Uh, Super Bowl year in 2009, but we, we I digress. Uh, but yeah, but the dictionary definition is a sissy is a weak or effeminate boy or man, and so its dictionary definition it is a slur. I mean, it's used to demean people. I think it was Wade, I remember, Wade Davis wrote a great column for us, and I think it was Wade who mentioned it was coined by Teddy Roosevelt to describe men who weren't manly enough to play what was then the fledgling sport of American football, and so I was struck, too, by how vehement people were coming at this, because well, why would you use it unless you were trying to, in some level, demasculinize the other team? I mean, one, the sign was kind of incorrect anyway. You don't say Mississippi. <laughs> the sign itself was wrong. And grammatically, it was like offended me. Uh, she's saying, saying yeah. Mississippi. 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 <laughs> Whatever. 
But it was clearly done, you know, to demean. And so I was surprised at how vehement people got in trying to somehow defend that it wasn't a slur. I think when I first saw it, it's not – I mean, I think of all the gay slurs on a continuum, and that one is one of the – milder one, so I guess I wasn't, my bile wasn't as up as much, but I clearly see it as a slur. I wouldn't deny for a second, because why else would you call someone a sissy? It's not used to describe, a, you don't say to a girl, you're a sissy, because sissy is derived from sis for sister, and so you're using it to demean a man, and what have gay men been called for years, you know, effeminate, girlish, womanly, whatever, and so it's clearly used as Literally uses the slurs. I was really surprised that people kind of got all vehement by saying you were overreaching, and I think it proved that they're myopia on the issue. Well, I, I, look, people on all sides of most issues on social media are sheep. They 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 think what they think, and they and 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 they just believe what they're going to believe, and and they just they can't process and analyze and really think and open their minds and open their eyes and 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 analyze something. So, you know, I, I have gotten response. I, I wrote a lengthy kind of explanation of why so many gay men think sissy is as a homophobic slur. And I've gotten uh I've gotten a couple of responses saying, Oh, you know what? Thank you. This actually opened my mind a little bit. And of course I've gotten lots of Oh, f you, faggot! And you're still a sissy, and all this <laughs> yeah. other stuff. So, you know, I, I, if, if only a couple people open their minds, it, it's a good thing. Well, and again, I think that's another example of why you have to kind of put yourself in someone else's shoes and see where they're coming from. So, um, but hopefully, we won't see any more of those signs this week. Uh, hopefully, we won't see any signs like that at the World Series or anywhere else. But we're running out of time, so um, we will talk to you and hear how Sid's uh, Jedi mind tricks went uh, at his Halloween party. We'll talk to you next week. Mind the trick, yeah.